Hey, everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and today my smart person is Kathy Nesbitt. She is a health and wellness advocate. She is the founder of Kathy's Crawley Composters, Kathy's Sprouters, and Kathy's Laughter Club. She is a multi-award-winning environmental innovator who uses workshops and inspirational speaking to motivate people to live a more sustainable life. Kathy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rob. I'm excited. Absolutely. from smart pressure people, no pressure. (laughs) You know what? Here's, you know more about worms than I do, and it is highly likely that you know more about laughter than I do. So we're going to... We're going to jump right in there. Can you tell me a little bit about your backstory? What inspired you to start a Crawley composter business? Uh, like, How did you get there and what was the impetus? Thank, thank you. Yeah, beautiful. So I'm uh, located in Canada, in, north of Toronto, but I, at the time I was living in Toronto and uh, 2002, our landfill closed. So Toronto's the largest city in Canada, 6 million people live in the greater Toronto area, Um, half living in condos or townhouses without space to do outdoor composting. And so when our landfill closed and we started to export garbage, um, although Canada's second largest country in the world, we couldn't find a spot to site a new landfill. Whoops. Um, (laughs) Not here, not there, right? Nobody wants that. Nobody would invite a landfill. No, it's it's the age old, not in my backyard, right? Um, thank you, NIMBY. I've said that to people and they're like, they don't know what it is. So I didn't really want to have to thank you. And sure. NIMBYism. <laughs> ah, I knew we'd get along, Rob. Right. Fantastic. Yeah, so our landfill closed and and I had a solution, you know, indoor composting with worms. And I just saw, you. how did I get here? I saw a problem, a big smelly problem. <laughs> and I had a solution, indoor composting with worms. And... I, I had no entrepreneurial background. I, I grew up at a time and I, I went, you know, I born in the 60s. And when girls were told, you know, you could be a secretary, waitress, flight attendant, although they called it stewardess at the time. Right. <laughs> you can't say that anymore. Um, <laughs> it's not PC. Um, <laughs> I don't know, a couple more nurse um, and teacher, I think, are the right. five, if I, miss, if, if I messed it up. I chose secretary. I was a great secretary because my life... I, I was, I, this is really long introduction, but I, I was a people pleaser, you know, told be good, be nice, all those things. So I was, I was, I worked hard and I did what I was told. All the, So that's what made me a great office worker is I did what I, I was a great learner. I learned, I learned and then I did what I was told, uh, but, but I got bored <laughs> every year. I changed jobs. I was like, ah, oh, it's not enough. It's not enough. I didn't know about entrepreneurism Anyway, then I, I um, was getting my psychology degree. I graduated in 2000 and got a job at his group home working with challenge folks. There was another piece about the worms, how it, the worms came to me, but they didn't compost at this facility, 10 homes and a farm. And I was like, wow, they, people don't connect what they do. Here they are creating all this organic matter and not and paying like a whack of dough to get rid of it. And it's like, why don't they just do it on site? So I proposed a composting system and they said, oh, instead, you know, oh, we don't need composters. What is it? We don't need to compost because we, we don't need the fertilizer because we have cows. Ah. Right. And I was like, no, it's not about 
the compost really, although it is better quality, but it's about, you know, it was, they had a vocational program. I mean, big, long story, but they were always looking for something for their clients to do. Okay. Why not have them turn this garbage into gold? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. And then the greenhouse manager said, what about vermicomposting? And I had an earlier experience that was unpleasant. I had fruit flies and I was like, I'm never doing that again. And it was back in 93. Okay. So I'm kind of like jumping all over, but so 93, I had a worm experience. I was like indoor composting with worms. I'm like, nope, not again. And then fast right where I was introduced to it. So sometimes we have to be introduced a couple of times before we catch on to something. Okay. That's what happened with the worms. So the greenhouse manager said, hey, well, what about vermicomposting? And I was like, oh, no, not again, right? No, that's horrible. But I was like, hey, this is an institution. They're not going to get worms right away. They have to have meetings. They have to find if they have money. Is Is it a good idea? So I started to do research. And I discovered the magic of the red wiggler worms, the worms we use for vermicomposting. And I'll talk about that in a moment. I was like, wow. And fear is just the unknown. Right. So, right. And my fear of worms, like the gross part of worms in the house went from ooh to wow, love. Wow. I love worms. Okay. Tell me like worms in the house. My, my wife, will pitch a fit if I, you know, bring this idea up, but we have, we, I'm a family of five. I've got three kids living at home and we produce a lot of organic material. Uh, How do you, how do you make that connection? What's the, what's the hook to say to people like worms are in my house, garbage in my house. I don't like your experience of fruit flies. Like, Talk to me about how that how that process works so that it's not it take you you take out the gross and grody factor. One thank you. I know I, I jump ahead because it's the twentieth anniversary. Sure. I have so much, you know, I am a smart person in this area, arena. And so I jump ahead thinking, oh, I want to get it all out. So thank you for reeling me in. <laughs> no I hate all these fishing uh um, met, uh, words, by the way, <laughs> it's okay. I, I get it. I, my 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 friend taught me that um, fishing is not so much. When we went fishing, we didn't so much catch fish as we drowned worms. So uh, the red wigglers that are near and dear to your heart, uh, we would I, none of them will be harmed in the making of this podcast. <laughs> I love that. Yippee! Okay, so. All right. So this is um, this vermicomposting or worm composting done inside is the same idea as outdoor composting. So it's just converting your browns and greens, like just for, verm, you know, composting 101, usually done outside. It's your, you know, your uh, yard waste and your kitchen scraps, um, not the plate scrapings, but the prep work the peels, the coffee grounds, tea bags, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, and inside it's paper. So you use paper, which is getting rid of another um, trash source, okay. right? We would do recycle it, but, you, but imagine if we can manage our paper scraps and our food waste on site. And then the worms, so it's aerobic process, meaning with oxygen. Fruit flies are not a necessary component. Thank goodness I had that experience. So that I could be like, ah, the fruit flies, 
They don't cause any harm for humans. They don't carry any disease. They don't have any pathogens. They bug us because we call them bugs. Okay, so we've got that out of the way. So they bug us. If you manage your, your, your worm farm properly, you won't have fruit flies. They just are decomposers. So they're just breaking down. They're helping the worms. If the worms could talk, they'd be like, thanks, fruit flies. Now you can fly away and go bug the humans. You know, I've never actually contemplated if worms could talk, what would they say? But there's a first time for everything. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, there'll be more. It's okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm I the talking worm. <laughs> I, I, are, are you fluent in worm, I guess? I, I didn't, the other funny piece so. of this is that you know you've got a degree in psychology and whoever thought that the degree in psychology would be put to effort finding out how do worms think or what what would worms say if they could talk uh, my apologies for interrupting you you were in the middle i love that no worries yeah so um yeah so the fruit flies so when when people say oh i don't want to have fruit flies i ask them have you ever had fruit flies and I wait for them to say yes, because we almost all have. And then I say, have you ever had a worm bin in your house? And I wait for them to say no. And I say, good, thank you. Because if you've had fruit flies and you have not had a worm bin, you know, because we're smart people, we know that the fruit flies do not come from the worm bin. They come from the food you're adding to the worm bin. So management is required. Okay. Right? So I'm going to use bananas as my example. When we bring the bananas home from the grocery store they're green or yellow as they start to ripen and get speckled that's the perfect environment for the fruit fly eggs to hatch and fly around and bug us okay they only last a day or two like there's no point in trying to be a fruit fly farmer because there's no market okay. nobody's buying them <laughs> and they they die in a day or two so um don't have them that's what i would say right and so what you can do is just rinse those scraps and then burying them in the bedding so the bedding is shredded paper that's where the worms live. Oh, I didn't talk about setting up the worm bin. Any container will do. So let's say a Rubbermaid container or do like a tote, um, some kind of plastic box, I would say. Plastic is easiest. Okay. Um, shredded paper, a little bit of soil, crushed eggshells, water. That's it. Those are the ingredients. Okay. Mix it all together. And then you add your worms in. You do need special worms. Red wigglers are the best. Um, so I would suss out, um, you know, a, a supplier. Pennsylvania has lots and there's lots in the in, in the U.S. Okay. Um, almost every country has red wiggler growers. So they're, you know, just get local worms. It's better. Okay. Um, they eat about half their weight. Here's the beautiful part about the red wigglers. Um, they eat half their weight per day in food scraps. So a pound of worms, half a pound per day or three to four pounds per week. It's substantial. Um, they eat the the paper and the food scraps. Their poop is the black gold. It's nutrient-rich fertilizer. Okay. I started my business. I'll come back to that. But I started my business as a waste management tool, right? We were exporting our garbage. I'm like, I have a solution. Why are we doing that? Why are we wasting our money sending it to the U.S.? Like, sorry, I know Michigan needed money, but it doesn't have to. They don't have to get our trash to make money. Sure. Bad, bad decision. Anyway, there's, not on there's the lots of ways to make money, and importing garbage doesn't have to be one of them. It, it seems like the low-hanging fruit, right? Yeah. Nobody wants it. Hey, well, we'll take it. Um, <laughs> um, sorry, I, did, I get it. I get that. That makes me crazy. That really drives me crazy. Anyway, so I was like, I have a solution. Here we are. Um, 
yeah so it's the it's the education that's required and i kind of lost my way but here we are we're back here okay so talk to me about going from concept to creating a business with it i you know where do you go are you are you selling ideas are you selling coaching on worm farming are you selling worm farms themselves like what is your business and how did you go from the research to conceptualization to actually making it a business thank you as you go along in life there's little indicators things happen so i was it took me 15 years to get my psych degree i was at that group home i was like oh my gosh i came home this is this is way better than working in the office <laughs> and i loved it and then i got i couldn't work with management and then i got injured by one of the clients and when I can, and I and I changed jobs a lot, so I wasn't going to stay somewhere that wasn't serving me anymore, and where I was scared. <laughs> um, and I came home from work. There was an ad in the paper, and it said, "Are are you a woman? Do you have a business idea?" It was an ad to be to start a business, okay. to write a business course, or like to write a business plan. A business plan. Me. Okay. Wow. So I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And signs come to me. I'm like, "Oh my gosh." cool, right? I got injured. I didn't have a safety net, right? As an entrepreneur, you don't have um, the plan when you get injured, right? There's right. no, um, there's no insurance unless you, you have a private uh, plan. Sure. So yeah, so either I had to stay there and be stressed, or maybe start a born business. How fun. That's what I thought. So I took that business course and, and everything seemed to go in place. Um, yeah, it, but, you know, seeing that solution, because an, as an avid gardener and composter, I knew the value. And so seeing this garbage, this organic matter going in the garbage, it's just words. When okay. we call it garbage, it's garbage. Right. Right. And our food is broken, Rob. So I, I had a solution for the garbage, but the worms actually convert that into black gold. And I quickly realized that people wanted the end product. They didn't want to do it. They wanted the compost. Okay. And that's still true today. A lot of people, like you said about your wife, it's not a, a gender thing. I've met a lot of um, women that their husband doesn't want to have worms in the house. <laughs> I, I, I think it's more of a human thing where there's a lot of people who are like worms in my house. No, they're, it's, it's gross enough when it rains outside and you end up with worms on the sidewalk. I don't want worms in my house. Let me just ask this. How were you able to share the concept of, of what you were passionate about with other people in a way that got them on board and, and got over that ick factor? Right. Almost before the internet, <laughs> before cell phones, right? Sure. 2002. Yeah. Uh, so I ha would have a booth. I didn't have entrepreneurial background, so I, I didn't have any idea. I was going by on a wing and a prayer. I had an idea. I was heart centered. I knew I had a solution. Now, how do I get it out there? I would, I would exhibit everywhere. It was, it, I must say, looking back now, it was exhausting. I don't know how I did it. I have tons of energy. And I believe when you believe in what you're doing, it fuels you. You just, you just get energy. And then I started, I realized that people were afraid. I have a psych degree, so I love people. I'm fascinated by why people decide what they decide. And I realized that people had been traumatized as children, you said it, it's gross enough when it rains and the worms come out. Imagine, take that one step further. People were traumatized either by siblings or in the schoolyard 
with, uh, I'm doing this because somebody chased yeah. them with a worm. No, understood. Right? So I'm meeting people as adults who are traumatized as children. If you were traumatized as a child, it's not even on your mind. You're not looking, you're not, they may not listen to this podcast, right? They're just like worms. Nope. And not even subcon- not even consciously. Okay. Yep. No, I, I think about that, right? Where um, people, you get a worm and you chase somebody around with it or whatever it is. And there is an inherent association that comes as a child. Worms equals gross. And right? um, yeah. you try and work around it. Okay. Now, is all of your business conducted in a local way? So, that, you know, people are, you're going to, I don't know, set up a booth somewhere and people are going to interact with you one-on-one. Have you grown your business from that, that personal level pre-internet, so to speak, to doing something online or, you know, what's the nature of your business that way? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, doing all kinds of workshops in schools and speaking everywhere. Now I've transitioned online like everybody has. So, yes, I've over the years, it's interesting. Selling worms by the pound was really a ridiculous business model. I don't have repeat customers. The worms breed more than rabbits. And I'd meet people and they'd say, oh, my worms are doing so great. I sent some to my kid's school. I gave some to my neighbor. I'm like, ah, stop giving your worms away. It's bad for my business. (laughs) Right. You know, but again, the belief and and, um, just knowing that I was on purpose and I do feel on purpose. It was about 2012. um, One more person said to me, ooh, worms in the house. And I heard it. I heard at that time, it hit my heart and I thought, this is so hard. How am I going to do this? And I was introduced to laughter yoga at the very next business meeting I attended. The speaker introduced laughter yoga. And I was like, laughter, what's that? And I started to investigate laughter yoga and I started to attend. And then I got trained as a leader. Then I got trained as a teacher. Now I teach leaders. I laugh every day. It's a huge part of my la- of my health plan. And I believe I have a second mission now because we have a mental health tsunami. Um, laughter yoga is not about jokes or comedy. It's, it's a global movement started in India in 1995 by a medical doctor. So there's science behind it. Okay. Um, and we've all heard laughter is the best medicine. It is. I say, have you had your daily dose? dopamine oxytocin serotonin and endorphins the love drugs versus cortisol when we're stressed like always like a pandemic for sure right like this last two years has been so topsy-turvy even for those that have like tools to get out of stress you know it it, every day i i think every day i have moments in the last two years where i'm like okay i'm okay no i'm not okay Sure. Okay. So you, you've kind of transitioned us. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to move. It's okay. We're going to move on from the, from your, the worm farming and your business there to talk about this idea of laughter and, you know, you have a laughter club and I'll be honest with you. I've been to one and I'm, I was, a, I am a little bit skeptical and I had, I talked to a guy who's a hospital clown and you know, he is literally saying laughter can be the best medicine for exactly what you're talking about. And he goes in and tries to make children laugh Mm -hmm. to help with their, their healing and to help with, you know, their mental well-being while they're in the hospital. 
can you talk to me about the difference between reactive laughter and kind of, I don't know what else to call it, but forced laughter. So in other words, when someone tells you a joke and you laugh at that, as it as it's different from when you're doing laughter yoga where there's no joke, there's no punchline, there is just laughter. Can, can you talk about the interplay there or the difference? Absolutely, yes. When we're watching a show or a comedy or something fun, someone tells a joke, it's it's temporary. So it's conditional on you understanding the joke, first of all. So you need to have that frontal lobe it, it it depends on a lot of factors and if you're at a comedy club you can't laugh and laugh and laugh because they'll kick you out even though you're supposed to be laughing okay right they don't want right you'll miss the next joke and people around you will be annoyed with with uh laughter yoga it's if we imagine it as a laughter exercise like sit-ups or you know rowing or jog whatever exercise you it's a cardiovascular workout and our diaphragm is attached to all of our organs so it's kind of changing our mind instead of saying wow i'm not there's nothing funny to laugh at that's right we're laughing on purpose we're just forced laughter or simulated laughter um, we don't call it fake anymore because when we say, oh, fake it till you make it, then people leave thinking, oh, it felt fake. It's because we set it up that way. So, okay. yeah, you know, and and there's so many benefits. We start to secrete, we, we, we trick ourselves. So our mind might be saying, you said you had an experience and, and maybe you're skeptical because that's your mind, your mind saying, this is ridiculous. What are you doing? You look, you, it's odd when we do anything new for the first time. It might be weird. And if we're not comfortable there, our ego's like, "Uh oh, stop it. You you don't want to look, you don't want to stand out, right. right? Keeping you safe. That's fine. Our body is like, pew, 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 secreting the love drugs. Okay. And like, as soon as we smile, pew, 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 and don't get set to our brain. Wow, I must be happy. I'm smiling. And then, wow, I'm laughing now. <laughs> I remember this feeling. <laughs> and And our diaphragm is attached to all those organs. So when we laugh full on, our stomach hurts and our cheeks hurt sometimes. Those are the laughter muscles. Okay. And here's the most important part for laughter. Those other ones are great. The connection. We, it's the oxygen. We can live without food and water for a few days. We would be grumpy and uncomfortable. Sure. Right? But we can only live without oxygen for a few minutes. Laughter forces us. There's the force again. It sounds hostile, but... <laughs> Right, because we can't just ha 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 as much as we want to ha 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 ha. We have to at one point go, ah. and so we do that huge in breath, and then ha ha ha, so we can continue ha ha. Okay, uh, so the analogy or that my that the hospital clown gave me, I think fits here. And what he said is, it's like riding a bicycle. Okay, from this perspective, you can get on your bicycle and go for a ride in the park, or you can stay at home and ride a stationary bicycle. Both of them have the same impact on your muscles and both of them have the same result in positive health outcomes. One is done kind of in a natural environment and the other one is done in, in what, is, what feels like a less natural environment uh, for, for that. How does that analogy sit with you? Yes, uh, sort of, because it's the, on the stationary bike. I mean, depending what you're doing, it's 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 kind of is an artificial setting. I think with 
with laughter yoga, what happens is you are immersed in it and, and your body gets primed. Like there's clapping and chanting, which I used to think was ridiculous, but you're actually, the more I'm getting into this laughter, I've been laughing since 2012 now. <laughs> and the more, and I, and it's serious, you know, when, when this cuckoo time hip laughter yogis around the world, there are clubs globally, thousands of clubs. I think we're in 125 or something countries now, like a lot of countries. Okay. And North America is a late adopter. So it's still fairly new here because we're hesitant to do like things that seem like woo woo. Like, you know, although there is a lot of science behind this, there's science around the world with cancer patients, you know, doing laughter with the medical team before chemo treatments and the effect the effect of being in a laughter club, but not laughing, just being in the energy. Okay. Uh, there's part of me that thinks if I was there, I may end up laughing at the other people, but that's because I, I'm a, that's my brain saying like, I may not participate. I may not participate in that way, but at least I can, can get something out of it. And let me just say kind of to take it all full circle. What I hear is, your work with the worms is trying to take care of the planet. Mm. Your work with laughter is trying to take care of the people. Does that resonate with you? It absolutely does. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful, Rob. I love that. This is, I have enjoyed our conversation so much. Your questions have been wonderful. Um, Yes. I, I, that's what I feel like. I feel like during this cuckoo time, I'm really being called to bring laughter because we are struggling and and I really want people to care about the planet but if you're having a mental de- mental health decline you can only care about how do I get out of this I need to feel better I'm struggling um so you can't care about the planet at that point right in order to take care of something else you have to take care of yourself first so makes a lot of sense listen Kathy if someone is looking to learn more about you where's the best place to find you online or what's the, what's the best way to connect? Thank you. Probably my worm website. It's 20 years. My, my husband's my web guy, so it's blissfully up to date. Sure. <laughs> Although it's old school. It's not a um, small thing ready. Right. <laughs> it's Kathy's comp, uh, Kathy's composters.com. My laughter offerings, everything is there. And I would really love to invite everyone to my free laughter club. It's every Tuesday on zoom. Fantastic. And encourage folks. If, you're interested, make sure to, to jump in there and be part of that, a free laughter club. And listen, if nothing else, you at least will smile, which will, from what I understand, it's going to give you that dopamine and oxytocin and serotonin and endorphins. So you'll, you'll get something out of it. At least you'll leave feeling a little bit better. So fantastic. All right, Kathy, are you ready for three questions to establish your humanity. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Real easy question for you. What is your favorite zoo animal? Oh, panda. (laughs) Okay. Why is the panda your favorite? I just think they're so cool. Like they just eat bamboo and they're just like, they just seem like they're chilling all the time. That is funny. It's a bear that you're not necessarily afraid of because even though they've got the sharp teeth, they're not interested in eating you and you are right. They just kind of never seem stressed or never, and never seem angry or ferocious. So very cool. Uh, (laughs) How many 
pairs of shoes do you own? Five pairs. Okay. And just five, are they divided up by function or what, what are the five pairs if you don't mind? Yeah, I have uh, like ones that I wear in the shower. If I like, I call them my shower shoes. So they're kind of like just thong kind of things. I have uh, sandals and I have two pairs of running shoes, like a really funky laughter yoga style. Like they're all like, they're pretty loud. Okay. <laughs> and then a walking pair and I have a pair of walking boots. Fantastic. That was five. Okay. Um, so last question for you, being Canadian, very simple. I, I don't want to get you thrown out of the country, but it's a very simple question. Poutine, is it overrated or underrated or, or where does poutine fall on your scale of food ratings? There's a lot of faux poutines out there. <laughs> so it depends on the maker, but poutine is decadent. Oh my gosh. If people go to Quebec, they have to try the poutine at a proper Quebec place with curds, not just like cheddar cheese. <laughs> right. So um, and for anyone who is not familiar with poutine, it is French fries with cheese curds on top covered smothered in gravy so it's you take something that is inherently unhealthy and you figure out how can we make this even less healthy Uh, but it is delicious so yeah it's magnificent i I, honest to goodness i was in uh, sarnia ontario the summer that i turned 16 and was working on a farm there and i remember that we went out for lunch one day and the guy that i was with asked for gravy for his french fries and i'm like i've never heard of this and then i tried it and i'm like i don't know why everybody doesn't do this it's wonderful (laughs) so listen kathy thank you so much for being with me today i appreciate you sharing you are smarter about worms and smarter about laughter than i am i appreciate you being willing to uh, being willing to share your expertise to all of my listeners i will remind you that when you stop learning you stop living have a great day everybody 